Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of Productivity by Design and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I'm here today with Diane Jones as our special guest. She is a 25-year veteran of public relations and marketing. She has worked for businesses, nonprofits, local governments, and for agencies. So you could definitely say she has done it all. I would agree. Diane specializes in working with local governments and nonprofits, but is also passionate about helping small businesses with their communication needs. Diane lives in Florida in the Tampa Bay area with her husband, son, and two dogs. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I actually went to your website. Yay, good. That's what it's That's what for. I do. <laughs> and you described yourself after telling a story about your son and I guess you talking too much, which I'm guilty as charged. Um, and you described yourself as a communicator, a talker, a writer, blogger, tweeter, influencer, and strategist, depending on the situation. And that many times you are simply a listener. And that's the most important component of communication. Well, I'm going to say that I wouldn't put simply and listener in the same sentence because listening is one of the hardest skills that's out there and is truly one of the most important. So I would ask you, given all the craziness that's going on in the world right now, why is listening such a crucial component to public relations? Well, it's interesting because... In school, we learn that there are two parts of communication. There's the sending the message and then the receiving the message. So if you send a message and it's not received, then communication doesn't occur. So we have to listen to our audiences, to our publics, to our customers, to whoever we're trying to talk to. We need to listen to them to make sure that they're actually receiving what we're telling them. So during these crazy times right now, we can tell them that we're closed. We can tell them that we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure that we'll be safe when we reopen. We can tell them that we care about that. We can tell them all these things, but if they're not hearing it, if they're not receiving it, if they're not taking it in, then it's, it's, it's not worth anything. And one of the things that has kind of come to light over, over the past few months is that our audiences, and when I say audiences, I mean if your business is your, cust- your current customers and potential customers, it's your employees, it's your neighbors, those are all your different audiences, um, are, are being split into two new groups. There's your audience that is really uh, scared about what's happening out there right now, that's being very diligent in their use of masks, in their use of going out, they're staying home, they're, they're, they're very, very nervous about going back into the real world, the new normal, as people are calling it. And then there's another audience that really, while they understand what's going on, they're not as nervous, they're not as scared, they're ready to get back into things. 
you know, things are starting to open up. I'm down here in Florida and our restaurants are starting to open up. Our nail salons, our hair salons are opening up and they're full. People are going to them. So when you're talking to your audience, make sure that, that you're giving them the messages that they want to hear. Yes, you're being safe, but yes, you're also doing what you can to make sure that you'll be there when they're ready to come. So listen to what your audience is saying to you so that you know the best way to communicate to them. I think that's great advice at any time, not just in public relations. And it's hard to know who are the people who are a little bit nervous to go out still. That would be me. And in fairness, that would be me because I'm in Connecticut, very close to New York City, which is a hot spot. So we, one of the most interesting things I'm finding about these times is that, you know, some people are saying we need a nationwide response, which yes, in a way, but at the same time, states are totally different. And it might be way safer for Tampa to open right now than it is for Connecticut to open right now. And that's not good or bad. That just is. It is. And, and it's not the businesses place to decide. It's not, um, when I don't, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that. Uh, it's not the business's place to tell their customers what they can and can't do. It's their place to follow what is coming down the pike from the CDC or follow what's coming down from the local, from the state governments. For example, here in Florida, um, you know, our governor has said, yes, you can open up restaurants can open up, but at 25% capacity. Right. So you do that and you explain to your customers how you're going to do that. So, um, for example, there's a local restaurant here that I love. My husband friends that own it and, um, they're using social media very well to get the message out about what's going on. And they're also using e-newsletters. Um, they have their customers emails and letting them know, yes, we will be opening on this date. We are taking, we are taking, taking reservations or we're not taking reservations. We're, we're, we're spacing people apart. We're only allowing 25% capacity, which is X number of people. However, we are doing outside dining. We're doing this, this, and this, and this for you so that you will be comfortable and safe. Make sure your customers know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and, and follow the rules. I mean, as long as you do that, you should be successful. It's funny you say that because I was over at um, our favorite Mexican restaurant on Cinco de Mayo. And as I arrived, there was a policeman directing traffic and he said something about a blockage. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know, was there a sewer main backup? Oh, this is going to be nasty. And so I'm driving down the street, finally find a parking spot, like, I don't know, a quarter of a mile away, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I walk on over there. I have nothing with me because I don't know that I'm in for an over an hour wait, well over an hour. And it was funny because... They were working their tails off. They were really trying to communicate to each person who asked a question some kind of an estimate of the time it was going to take. And then what they ultimately did, I'm not going to say the restaurant name just so they don't get in trouble. They brought out a huge cooler filled with margarita mix. (laughs) And they were passing out margaritas for people who were waiting. And I truly waited well over an hour. I think it was about an hour and a half from my order time until uh, it was time to take the food. And it was so funny because they had a whole system where if you put in your phone number to them, I think mm-hmm. if you went to Facebook Messenger and sent, you know, said, I'm here, here's my cell phone number, they then called you when your order was up so you knew when it was coming out, which I thought was phenomenal. And I, besides, by then I was drinking a margarita. So I was very happy. I had the mask on and I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I I moved to the other side of the street away from everybody, (laughs) slipped my mask down, drank my margarita. It was very fun. 
you know, I mean, obviously businesses are having to adjust. The big word is pivot. You know, they're having to pivot how they do business. And as long as they do, we understand. The customers understand. We're willing to work with them. Switching gears a teeny bit, you know, one of the public relations has, is kind of this term that's very, you know, what is it? I'm not quite sure. It's, it's very difficult to define. But right. one of the ways that um, a, a business or organization can do good public relations is to provide good customer service. You know, our friend Peter Shankman talks about that all the time. Right. And there's, there's, no, there's no communications, there's no marketing, there's no PR that can outdo bad customer service. So, so you have to provide good customer service in order to provide good public relations. And that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. For example, you're, you know, what you said about the Mexican restaurant, you know, there was over an hour wait. That would piss off a lot of people, understandably. But they did something to help mollify, you know, appease the people that were waiting. They said, look, we're trying our best. Here's something for you. Just work with us. And you did. Um, an example, last week, my husband and I ordered Outback because we, you know, we do takeout right now. And the restaurants are really struggling with some takeout. Some of the restaurants are real struggling with wait times and right. very busy. And um, when I went and got this, I got the food and came home and um, discovered that they'd forgotten my son's meal. And the last couple of times we've been to Outback Takeout, we'd had problems, issues with the food. So my husband was just, he was livid. I was frustrated he was livid. He's like, that's it. I'm sending an email and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why don't you call him? Just tell him. I said, they probably can't do anything, but call him and tell him what happened. And he called him and the manager was wonderful. She was very apologetic. She says, I'm going to get the order cooked right now. I'm going to have someone deliver it to your house right now. And in fact, we're going to, going to take off the charge for your entire meal, which we were not expecting. Wow. We were like, wow. We were shocked by how she treated us. So, so we will still continue to go to Outback. So businesses can make mistakes. Businesses, you know, it's, stuff happens. We're not perfect. It's how a business responds to that mistake or issue is how a customer will see them. So I'll say it again, you, you know, no public relations, no type of marketing can outdo bad customer service. That's the key for any business. That's fantastic. So I'm interested since we are talking about all this shifting that's going on. I try to avoid the word pivot because <laughs> I just feel like it's so overused. It's I just like love we it care about you during COVID. <laughs> you know how many emails do we get at the beginning? We care about you during COVID. I'm like, <sighs> I didn't need to hear from you about how you care about me during COVID. <laughs> okay, yeah. so. Um, most of us, at least up here now, still are still working from home. How do you think business needs to shift the messaging in public relations, if at all, now that people are working from home? Well, you know, I mentioned that businesses need to be communicating with their audiences, their different publics. Uh, that, that hasn't changed. That will never, that doesn't change. No matter what's going on in the world, communicating with your audiences is key. Because like I told a client the other day, if you're not talking to them, somebody else is. Right. And it's probably your competitor. Or they're giving false information. I have to tell that to my local governments all the time. You can't be quiet because if there's no information out there, someone will fill the void. Mm. Um, so the working from home, where that comes into play is, especially if your employees deal, deal um, directly with, with customers, 
let them know what you're doing for your employees. You know, again, we want to hear from our businesses, uh, the people, the businesses that we frequent, we frequent, we want to hear what they're doing. We want to hear that they're taking care of their employees. We want to hear that their employees are working from home right now to keep them safe, but that they're still going to be giving you the service that you need. So make sure you're letting your customers know, your clients know what you're doing for your employees and then treat your employees right. I mean, there's nothing, you know, I talk about you can't outdo bad customer service. You also can't, you can't have bad employees dealing with your customers and expect to have frequent, you know, have them come back. Your customer, your employees are your frontline contact with your customers. So working from home for a lot of us is not changed that much. It's amazing, I think, and when we go back, we've already seen, I think, Twitter announced that they're going to let their employees, if they want to continue working from home, to do so. There's going to be a lot of that, but I also think there's going to be a lot of people that are excited to go back to work, are tired of Zoom calls, they want to get in front of somebody, they want to have a face-to-face conversation, so... It's going to be an interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens once we are allowed to go back to work, how they work, and if it's a mix, if it's all or none. It's going to be really interesting to see. I think from an office space standpoint, you're going to see the death now finally of the open office floor plan, which mm-hmm. I have never liked. I didn't much love cubicles either, but at least in a cubicle, you had some kind of sense of privacy. Right. Open office floor plan is is really it's very distracting. Yeah. Oh. And for those of us that cannot tune out, I don't even know how. I don't even know how to do it. I don't. <laughs> now, I have a teenager who can watch class and and have music on in the background. And, mm-hmm. and my brain would just implode. Yep. I, need, no. I need it to be quiet when I'm concentrating. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I like that coffeeativity app in the background. That just sounds like a coffee house noise. Oh, interesting. I had not heard of that. I'm surprised because you're the queen of the coffee house. I do. I miss my coffee house. I miss I going just for a couple hours to be around people. That's it's been hard working from home for me. It has been. I have to give you that link, the coffeeativity yeah. link, so you can see it. <laughs> we don't even have a drive-through Starbucks. And I would be fascinated, not nearby at least. I would be fascinated to know how much money I'm saving per month. Not doing my little Starbucks. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Starbucks is way down. They're struck, you know, they're definitely feeling the pinch, I read. So I kind of feel bad. I feel like I need to buzz up to the one that's closest to me, which is like 25 minutes away and make a little coffee run. My daughter would be ecstatic. You should do that. There's a local place called <laughs> little field uh, Pearls and Swirls, and they have Thai bubble tea. <laughs> so that's sort of been, it's on the way. My husband's an essential worker, so mm-hmm. he has to go out probably two days a week. He is working from home, but probably about two days a week. He has to go out on job sites and take care of things. And he, uh, if he's driving past Pearls and Swirls on the way home, he'll send her a text message and say, all right, I'm getting something you want to eat. Which is very sweet. And it's right next to Dunkin' Donuts. So sometimes (gasps) iced coffee. (laughs) And I'm like, what a treat. I've started making my own iced coffee at home. I have not started baking bread. I am not going to break bread. Yeah, there will be bread. no baking of bread. There will be no breaking of bread in this house. Sorry. No, I'm Sorry. not baking bread, and I'm not doing a yeast starter. I get lovely – oh, sourdough starter. Excuse sourdough. me. Yeah, it's sourdough. It's all about sourdough starter. right now. I'm not doing sourdough starter. I can get beautiful sourdough bread right up at the farm. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. I mean, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking in terms of how much I'm already cooking right now, which is way more than normal. That's the other thing, Diane. I don't know if you've noticed this. 
I, I used to be out for lunch two, three days a week. I, I did not have cooking lunch in the plan. That was not on my radar screen. Times <laughs> so are funny. changing. Times, it's, it's a new world, the new normal. I mean, how many times you've heard that? The new normal. That's a little nuts. Crazy. So talk to me about your work with government and, and nonprofit, and then how would um, communications in those areas differ if at all, and then what lessons could we learn? Because most of your time is spent with government and nonprofit, right? It is. It is. I, um, you know, I worked for Pasco County, which is the local county here. I worked for them for four years as their communications manager, and I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, it was very difficult. The red tape, it's, it's real. It's so real. And uh, so working, so now I work with local governments on, you know, uh, different uh, transportation projects or water treatment, water utilities projects, because during these major construction projects, their public is the neighborhoods that are being affected by these, these projects. So I help them communicate with, with those neighborhoods. So whether you're working for a, a local government, whether you're working in a nonprofit, whether you're working in a business, the key is knowing who you're communicating to, who are your target audiences. That is key. And then identifying the best ways to reach those target audiences. So for example, in local government, you know, uh, one of the projects I'm working on here is the construction of a wastewater treatment plant. I mean, very exciting, very glamorous life I lead, but it's important and it's, it's happening within a local, existing local neighborhood. So those people that live in those neighborhoods are obviously very interested and very concerned about what's going on with that project. So my job in, in, in public outreach is to communicate to them what's happening, why it's happening, what we're going to do to make sure it affects them minimally as possible. And so I know that that's my target audience. And then I have to look at what communication tools, what, what are these people using to receive their information right now? Well, for these neighborhoods, they have a very strong Facebook group for their neighborhood. So I want to get in, I want to get in there so I can give information on that Facebook group. They also, there's an app, I don't know if it's up in Connecticut or wherever, but it's called Next Door. Right. And it's a it's an app that it's again um, online that you can uh, subscribe to to get information. So I want to use that next door app to communicate with the people in that area. Um, I also use the meet the news media, the local news media, because even though it's affecting those people, this is going to be a, a a a project that affects the entire Tampa Bay area. So I share I I I, uh, I work with the news media on a lot of a lot of my clients to get stories out about what's happening, why it's happening things like that. Um, we also have their emails. So we'll do an e-newsletter to these neighbors to let them know, hey, just FYI, there's going to be some night work between X, you know, this date and this date. So you might hear some extra noise between these hours. Just want to make sure you're aware. It's letting them know what's happening, why it's happening, and how we're going to make sure that it affects them the least amount as possible. So that's the local government work. Then you get into nonprofits. For nonprofits, their audiences are potential donors, existing donors, potential volunteers, existing volunteers, clients, you know, the clients that they serve. So you identify what their, their audiences are, and then how are they receiving information? You do the exact same thing. Right. Um, you know, we use the news media there as well. One of my nonprofits that I do some pro bono work, it's called Kids and Canines. It's an amazing organization that uses dogs to help children at risk. And it's, it's just, it's wonderful. And I, I, I'm very successful, fortunately, because I've got adorable puppy dogs and I've got kids that are, are in need and they're reading together. I mean, it's just this perfect image. Um, 
So I'm able to get a lot of good media exposure for this nonprofit that reaches those publics. But then we also do social media. We also do newsletters. We also do direct mail, you know, whatever works best. Right. So no matter what business you're in, no matter what project you're working on, the key is identifying who you're trying to reach and then what are the best ways to reach them. That's key, no matter who. Absolutely. And that affects, so let's take that to a small business level. That could be something like I found, which is my target market really isn't on Facebook. So stop Mm -hmm. messing around on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's on LinkedIn. Right. And so I upped my presence on LinkedIn majorly over the course of the next two months. And I know it's going to take me probably six months. You don't go zero to 60 in 30 seconds, not -hmm. with PR and social media. You just don't. No. That's a really good point. Um, um, If you are implementing some kind of public relations or marketing campaign, you cannot expect to do something and then sit back and wait for the calls to roll into the customer. It just doesn't work that way. It's a process. Um, An example that I use is um, you may wake up in the morning and your alarm's going off and you're hearing a radio commercial for a Big Mac. And then you are getting ready for, you're getting ready to go to work. Um, you're, you're looking online and you're looking through the news, you know, the local newspaper. And then there's a, a, a banner ad for McDonald's. And then you're driving to work and you see a billboard for McDonald's. And then you, you're at work and your colleague is, is eating an egg McMuffin. And then all of a sudden it comes to be lunchtime and you're like, McDonald's. It's that repetitive message that you hear over and over again that finally clicks and makes you, that was a bad sign, don't do that. That finally clicks. Um, <laughs> that's not what it looked like. It finally clicks and makes you do that action. So anytime you're doing a public relations or marketing campaign, you need to be patient and understand it will take repetitive messages. So whatever message you're doing, repeat it on different sources, whether it's social media or, you know, an e-newsletter or a podcast or, um, you know, whatever tools you're using. It's that repetition that's going to make an action. So it's interesting because I just learned this recently that in your social media to have a, say, three-month plan for your content and then themes within it. So for me, last month was space, this month is time, and next month is information. And I'm seeing much more engagement. And it's because in a way, it sounds terrible to say, we kind of need to be beaten over the head with a stick over and over and over again to get a message. And once we realize that, that we have to say it 25 different ways over the course of 25 days, then it doesn't seem so terrible having that. Like to me, I was like, I'm bored. Why am I still talking about time? It's May 14th. And I'm still talking about time this month. But it's effective to your audience because your audience doesn't catch every touch. You know, they're not going to see every Instagram post I put up. And you have to remember, I mean, you have to consider how much information we are receiving in one day. Oh. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I wish I did. But, but we, are, we are receiving so many messages per day. And it's so difficult for us as, as a, a, a communicator to get our messages through that, that noise. <laughs> noise. So yeah, that's why you have to be repetitive. And then also, it, depending on who you're talking to, you know, if you're, if you're talking to a prospective new client, you know, these are what they would call cold messaging. Your messaging is going to be different whether you're talking to a prospective client who's never heard of you before versus 
an existing client who you're talking to just to remind them what you're doing or let them know new things you're doing or asking for referrals or things like that. So your messaging changes depending on who you're talking to. That's why it's important to know who your audiences, audiences are and where they're getting their information. I found I've had clients who had reached out to me a year and a half ago, call me out of the blue to me, seemingly out of the blue, mm-hmm. but of course, I've stayed connected with them, social media, mm-hmm. e-newsletters every week, et cetera, and said, hey, we're ready to start. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> I was under the impression the project was done. They had moved on and, and there they were you know, an out, a year and a half. That's kind of wild when you think about it, that it's that long a lead time. Not all the time, but sometimes. Right. Well, think about businesses like movers or real estate agents. Right. You know, they, their, their repeat customers could be years and years down the line, but you're still hearing from them once every six months. Every year I get the cute little calendar with right. the my Buccaneer, Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule on it for the magnet for the fridge. And, um, you know, so five years later, if I decide to sell my house, I'm still going to remember the guy that helped me five years ago because he, he remained top of mind. Again, there's so much noise out there. You have to remain top of mind if you want to get that repeat customer. Right. And I think huge is follow-up. Mm-hmm. I, I had people um, coming into my program who are like, oh, I think I'm interested. Oh, I'm going to sign up. And then two days later, I said, all right, I'm just checking back. Are you, do you want to? Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Right? noise. It's just the input. There's so much that's just overwhelming. So to wrap up, because this is amazing with you, but we only have so much time, how can people find you? So I do have a website. Um, It is djpublicrelations.com. My email is diane, D-I-A-N-E at djpublicrelations.com. And on most socials, I am djprtampa. Okay. But you can get my socials through the website. And um, like I said, I, I love working with nonprofits. I love working with small businesses. Just helping them understand that if you're not communicating with your clients, with your, with your public, somebody else is. Mm. And they're either putting out false information or they're not helping your case. So keeping up that communication is key during times of crisis, during times of good, um, all the time. We must be communicating with our publics. Sounds great. Thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you so much. This was fun. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.